happy Monday, everybody, and welcome to this edition of the Racers Insiders Racing Insiders Podcast. Well, that was like a mouthful. <laughs> yeah, it was. I don't, like my whole mouth was just got full of all the words. So, Racing Insiders Podcast. Like all the words. I am Kate Dillon from Crate Insider, and I'm here today, of course, with Steve Hendren from Hendren Racing Engines. Yeah. So we we like to if you're new to the show, we get together each Monday. Well, except for well, except Labor for Day. Labor Day. Yeah, except for like holidays. Kind of cool actually having a like a you know a whole three day weekend for once. Yeah, it really was it was really nice. It was really nice. And but otherwise we show up on Monday nights on Facebook and on YouTube on the Crate Insider channels at 7 p.m. Eastern. So feel free to tell a friend. Um yeah. yeah, let's get the word out. And then the podcast will come out on Tuesdays. It, you might, I don't know where, I never know where people are seeing us from or hearing yeah. us. Uh, if you just want to listen to the, just the words, because we don't actually show and tell much of anything here. So <laughs> it's mostly just words. And you can listen to us on any of your favorite iTunes or Google Play, any of your podcast um podcast hosts yeah. so anyway welcome welcome to the show any tech questions you've got feel free to drop them into the comments and of course we always we will, love we to will answer them to the best of our ability <laughs> yes and we always love to hear from people and where they're here or from opinion. Mm -hmm. i see scott's here he says hi from california where we'd save electricity if we had any. <laughs> no shit <laughs> i don't know you just got to buy a windmill okay yeah just buy a windmill Actually, I like the meme that you posted where it was a, a human-sized hamster wheel. <laughs> right. So people could generate their own power. To charge their electric cars Yeah. in California. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So so tell me, Steve, how is it's been now two weeks since we did the show? Um, how have you been? Oh, I mean, good. I mean, just like I said, it was nice having, you know, a three-day weekend last weekend. Because, I mean, it was a little bit... <laughs> I mean, after you're just busting your ass all the time, it's like really weird to have like a Monday off. But so honestly, I was a little bored on Monday, <laughs> but other than that, I was good. I didn't know you were bored. What did we do? On I was Monday? a little bit bored. Oh. No, we didn't do shit on Monday. No. Saturday and Sunday were fun, though, because we like sat out back and played games and had some friends over and barbecued and stuff like that. But Monday was pretty much a lazy day. Yeah, I did lots of reading. Yeah. That makes me happy. Right. So. <laughs> I enjoyed it. I can't remember what the weather was like. It's been kind of, uh, we got been getting a lot of rain here and yeah, it's overcast. You just can't really count on it to be much of anything. No. So can't really do much. Uh, typical September. Yeah. Yeah. Typical. I don't know. Typical being in North Carolina exactly. where it rains all the time. Uh, David here is here. He says, thanks Kate for the spacer. Absolutely. Welcome. And thanks for being here. Um, we always love talking to our customers on the phone. Both you and I both do oh, yeah. you know, when they call and, we get a chance to talk to them. Yeah. So I guess we could talk about upcoming events. You've, you've got one coming up. I've got one coming up. And I, I, there'll be some exciting news tomorrow, but I can't really announce anything. So it'll be my dad's memorial race in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania at Pittsburgh's Pennsylvania Motor Speedway uh, in conjunction with the Lu Lucas Oil uh, Pittsburgh, which they will have a 20,000 win race uh, for those guys. And we'll have some announcements tomorrow as far as what ours will be. And where will your announcements happen at? Uh, through the Rush Racing Series. Okay. So if you don't uh, subscribe to their page, I would definitely go over there and give them a click and like it, subscribe, or however that shit works. And, uh, you know, you'll oh. see the announcement. Yeah. Speaking of subscribing, you know, we love to see you on all of our channels. So whether you're watching us on YouTube, you know, hey, help us boost our 
our like subscribership over there if you would and and um hit the subscribe button i i know a lot of youtubers talk about how they they've got a lot of viewers but not necessarily as many subscribers right so we'd love for you to hit that subscribe and then of course join our email list is the really the best way where we can have direct contact with yeah you. don't you have like another thing going this month do you have a giveaway thing going or have you no. started or you're not going to do it this month no you skip a month or something yeah all right that works yeah but and now you're gonna ask me who won but tori knows well no no we okay. you know we announced it oh did we okay won. good yeah. <laughs> yeah i remember that from last month yeah good 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 yeah, uh, my my other big thing going on. Um, I'll, I'll 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 get to that later. But I, we've already got some questions here. We yeah, actually sure. have one that came from YouTube. Okay. It was a it was a question on one of our YouTube videos, right. and this is from Timothy, and he asked, "Will it be okay to choose the ProCam mechanical fuel pump to stop the cause of vapor lock issue? Because the new gas now all has ten percent ethanol in it." To use on a carburetor. I, I, I assume that you're talking about uh, pump gas. Uh, that's what uh, be my so, assumption as well. Um, I mean, the ProCam pumps perfectly fine to use. I mean, we we use them on several uh, different applications, um, but that alone is not going to stop your vapor lock. So we always suggest uh, you know running you know like a uh, uh, phenolic fuel pump plate, and then obviously you need to insulate the fuel lines going underneath the headers that are you know, that you got coming up there. So a lot of things contribute to vapor lock. So those are the two things that I would do. But the ProCamp pump is perfectly fine. Great. I don't know if that answers the question or not, but <laughs> it's <laughs> vapor locks heat <laughs> is what causes it. So you got volatile fuel that's going to vapor lock. So anything you can do to get the heat away from the pump, uh, AKA the, you know, the phenolic fuel pump plate, stuff like that, that's going to help. Well, I've been selling the phenolic fuel pump plates for, for a long time. Yeah. What, what is it they actually do? They're, they're really. It's an insulator. So it insulates the pump from, you know, being, if you got a metal plate and an aluminum pump, that heat's just transferring straight into that aluminum pump. Or if you got that phenolic, it, uh, it insulates that aluminum from having actual direct contact with metal, which obviously is going to run a little bit warmer and heat the aluminum up like stupidly. So. I mean, because the plate's going to be running at engine temperature. So whatever the block temperature is, what's, what the metal plate's going to be. When you got the phenolic on there, it, it insulates that and doesn't let the pump overheat. Excellent. I've got another question here. Now, this is from Jeremy. He says, hey, y'all. Steve, have you ever sent a 602 block off to have total seal clean the cylinders to, to see the clean the cylinders up to see if it improved power? I see the boring honing machine they have is supposed to help a good bit. Um, no, uh, because the honing stones that they've got are going to be no different than the one ones that I've got. So no, I have not. Is seal total seal? Oh, total yeah, to, seal, total seal rings. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. No. I mean, that's no. Well, you don't need to because you actually have that same equipment in your shop. Well, I mean, I don't know what honing machine that they have. But I mean, the stone, I mean, you only got a certain amount of stones that you're going to use on a cylinder wall. So, I mean, the only, the only thing that I've seen that would be any different is like at a NASCAR Winston Cup shop that I was at one time, they were actually heating the block up to operating temperature as they honed it. So. How did they do that? Uh, the, hot, the oil was hot. So they ran oil through the cylinders or through the water jacket and stuff. Great. 
Next question is from Robert Elkins. He says, hey, Kate and Steve, I've always heard open spring pressure is more important than closed seat pressure. Around what should open pressures be on a crate 602? Um, gosh, I don't, I don't honestly know. I'd have to look, I'd have to look at the book really. Cause I just, I don't know off the top of my head. Um, I mean, I mean, <laughs> there's two different ways of thinking about it. So I'm more concerned with like mid lift pressure. Um, so that's, which is usually how like I rate our springs is like mid lift. Um, because it has to, it has to control the valve from flying open also has to control it from closing and bouncing off the seat. So, I mean, that mid lift pressure to me is like more important than, you know, on the nose of a hydraulic cam versus, you know, seat pressure on a hydraulic cam. Now, when we start getting into higher end stuff, then, I mean, that, that's going to change a little bit. But it doesn't make a difference on a, on a crate engine. What? This open versus closed seat pressure deal. Well, I mean, it would because uh, you still have to control the valve. Yeah, it's going to make a difference, but I, I would be more concerned with mid lift than I would with with peak. I mean, because most of those springs at peak lift are going to are going to run, you know, five to six pounds difference, or eh, five to ten pounds. Let's say five to ten pounds difference, and you know, five to ten pounds isn't going to make the difference between valve float, honestly. Great. Uh, James has a question. Can an HEI distributor run on a 16 volt battery? Uh, yeah, I've got guys doing it. Um, not sure how long the coil will last in them, but yeah, I mean, if it's a coil, that's there, you know, the, if it's meant for 16 volts, I would, I mean, I, I, I I'm assuming it's going to be just like a, uh, a, uh, coil pack in, in a sense where, yeah, eventually it's going to knock coil out of it. But yeah, I mean, I've got guys running, running that. So running a 16 volt battery instead yeah. of what, like a 12 volt? Yeah, instead of a 12 volt. Yeah. Okay. Now, I mean, still, I mean, to me <clears throat> personally, if you're if you have to run an HEI, 12 volt with an alternator is still the way to go, honestly. Interesting. Uh, other than that, if you don't have to run an HEI, throw that pile of shit in the garbage and and uh, run a uh, good distributor and good yep. ignition box. <laughs> I mean, I'm not being rude. I'm just, it's just you know, HEIs unfortunately are. Uh, 1960s technology okay. and there are some series where you absolutely have to run it so there's you don't have a choice all right next glenwood motorsports what would cause my spark plug insulators on the driver's side to crack i don't know um it makes no sense why it would be only in the driver's side not the passenger side um unless you've got like a crew guy on one side and a crew guy on the other and one of the guys is like going crazy. Um, I don't know, really. Um, hmm. Can you send me pictures of it? Well, you can't through it here. No, no, I mean, not not through here, but I mean, Hendron Racing at gmail.com. Uh, can you send me pictures of it to where I can see exactly what you're talking about? I might have a better opinion at that point. I'll be happy to look at them and, and give you my opinion on what it is. Right. Uh, is that something that you see very often, though? Is spark plug no, insulators huh? breaking? No? Or cracking? Mm -mm. Can that happen if you tighten them down too much? Uh, potentially, yeah, because you can actually, I mean, there is, most spark plugs do have a, you know, on in general, you're going to be torquing them to like 15 pounds max, foot pounds. Okay. 
So yeah, it's possible to actually break the spark plug yourself if you're like over tightening. So I was saying, if you had a crew guy on one side and there was a gorilla and one on the other, it was like a little wimpy dude that could explain what's going on. But yeah, just send me a picture of it and I'd be or a couple pictures. I'd be happy to give my opinion. You always have one. Oh, they're like assholes. Everybody's got one. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Next up from Jarrett. He says he's moving to a street slash super stock class and going to be going with the 604 mm -hmm. option. Rules just say you must run a Holly four barrel carb, no aerosol carbs. Mm -hmm. Is the Ultra XP basically the way to go? 650 or 750 CFM better for the crate? Uh, I would say, yeah. I mean, if that's your only choice, then that, that Ultra uh, would be the way to go. Uh, I would definitely go with the like, 60, 650 version. Well, I thought you didn't like the Ultra X. Ultra well, that's his, that's his only option. No, it says it must run must a Holly four-barrel car. Correct. No aerosol cars. Correct. Yeah, so I would go with the HP or the Ultra XP. Okay. I, wouldn't you? Do, okay, I thought you liked Ultra HP. Whatever. Yeah, but I didn't think you liked that one because it, it's not. I don't like it because there's no reason to use it if you don't have to use it. Oh. He's got to use it. Oh, because that's his. It's got to be a Holly. It can't be a BLP center section that is, or a Willie center section. It's got to be a Holly standard cast carburetor. Okay. Um, so not just a standard like Holly H4150. Uh, God, no, no. Okay. No. No, I mean, th this is a great yeah. thing to know. I, I was not aware of yeah. this. Yes, that's exciting. That's good to know. And you'd go with it. I'd go with a 650, yeah, honestly. Uh, 750 is too much in most scenarios. Um Unless you're just running on a half mile or five eighths mile track all the time and restarts and restarts don't matter. Uh, the 650 will do you better. Great. And Glenwood Motorsport says, yes, I'm heading to Kate's tomorrow to get some. So I'll stop by and show you. Yeah, do that, okay. please. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, we'll be we'll be there all day tomorrow, obviously. Yeah, and I think Glenwood Motorsports, I think they're in Marion. So they have mm -hmm. to drive by your shop to get to my shop. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just, yeah, please stop by and show We're, we're like five miles apart, you guys, right. on the same road. <laughs> so, yeah, that's. It's just kind of funny. Yeah, I'll be happy to look at them. That's cool. That's cool. So what else is going on? Um, oh, I know what else is going on with for you. What? Your fantasy football team. Oh, finally, fucking football season. Thank God. I am so tired of being bored on Sundays with no damn decent sports on. And Saturdays. I mean, college football is going too. So, yeah, no, I'm, like, completely happy. Well, and now our show is at a perfect time. So that you can then go and watch Monday Night Football if you want to. Doesn't it start at eight? <coughs> Monday night? Oh, it's eight fifteen. We'll see. Perfect. I know. So yeah. So show our show's at seven. Exactly. Gets yep. done. Then you can, you know. Yeah, and I'm in like three fantasy leagues. So three now? Yeah. yeah. I knew you were yeah, in two. Jeff Smith. Jeff Smith called me the other night. He's like, Hey, you want to be in our league? It's like last minute, I know. So I'm like, okay. Yeah, fuck it, I'll do it. All right. So let's hear and then, you guys. I would love for you to drop into the comments if you're playing fantasy football. I would love to read out some of your team names because yeah. they tend to be hilarious. Yeah. Uh do, are your is your team name the same on all of your leagues? Or no, they're okay. different. So let's hear what your fantasy team names are. Um my my league that I've played for the last six or seven years, the name of my team is HPV positive. <laughs> Why? Why not? What? And then uh, I've got uh, my other one is uh, shit. What is it? I can't even remember. <laughs> it's like too hard to keep up with. Oh, just the helmet. <laughs> and then my other one is biggest stack. 
biggest Dak. Dak. Okay. Dak Prescott. You know, yes. Yeah. 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 Did I see a headline where he's going to be out for a few games? Yeah, he's out for six to eight weeks. He's okay. going to have a pin put in his thumb. Okay. It's funny because I don't even watch football anymore, and yet I, I saw that headline somewhere <laughs> today. Probably came out because like I've got one of those Alexas in my office that has the screen on it. So it just brings up like random, you just look up and sometimes it's the time and sometimes it's just some random news headline that you see. Yeah. Like some of, my, some of my older teams I had, you know, I like Vic ate my dog was one of my yeah. older teams. And then I had fucktards spelled with a PH. Yeah. PHUK. Yeah. Cause they just sucked that year. So I renamed <laughs> them from whatever it was. I kept it for like a couple of years. So there's some such funny team names and league <laughs> names as well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, kind of like our um, trivia team is alternative answers, right? Because we're playing trivia. Yeah. So, but there's some better names actually that we play against. Honestly. Oh my gosh, we play against some really funny name. I don't think we can say them on the air. Some the of Betty White supremacists is fucking hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care what so anybody says. Wrong. Well, and there's there's this snack that we saw at we go to Main Street Market yeah. is, is our restaurant here, and there was this snack, like it's not potato chips, but no, it's, it's like the, pretzels or some shit. It's it? something, but it's called Mima's cheese titties. Yeah, is really what it's called. Yeah. I, wow. And they adopted that name. Yes, so they adopted good. that name. Yeah, so it's good. All right, we got a couple more questions here, and Brandon says, "What's the average cost to rebuild a 602 crate motor right now?" Uh, at our place, it's right at three thousand. Um, obviously, <laughs> that's right now. Uh, so next week it could be 3,100, depending on what GM does with the prices of the components that we have to buy from them. But uh, that's usually the variable is is what parts cost through mm -hmm. GM. Mm -hmm. But yeah, on average, like three thousand dollars. Yeah, obviously far cheaper than buying a new one. So if it can be rebuilt, we always recommend rebuilding. Which ironically, the 602 originally was designed not to be rebuildable. Because they always had the price of components priced to where it was cheaper to buy a new engine than it was to rebuild one. But that's completely flipped in 2022 or 2021 and 2022. So. And I know that I just last week I updated all my GM Mom Life Chevrolet performance pricing because I had the new mm -hmm. price list. I think it was dated like shit's going over every month. Yeah. Yep. Well, I actually didn't have to, I, I updated as in here's the new price list and here's all my stuff. And there weren't any prices that had to be changed. Yeah. So they stayed, they stayed flat for this particular month. I was glad to see that. Yeah. Absolutely. I'd like to see a whole lot more of that just in life in general of the prices, just yep. flattening out and not having <clears throat> more and more price increases oh, yeah, all the for time. Sure. All right, uh, Robert has a question. He says, do I need to change anything on a 604 on methanol to run the 6,800 RPM over the 6,400 RPM? No, you shouldn't have to, man. Uh, I mean, those things are, the way these engines are nowadays, I mean, they're plenty safe at 68. Um, so that extra 400 RPM, no, there's nothing that you should have to change at all. Uh, you'll run just fine at 68. Um, that Keeping that in mind, though, I mean, if the car's working right and everything's just spot on, then rent, I mean, odds are you're going to be turning somewhere in that 66 to 68 range. So, 
I mean, don't think you have to turn 60, 68 <laughs> is what I'm getting at. Because there are certain scenarios where you don't. But now that you have the option to, yeah, you're going to be a little bit faster. So is that a rule change that happened? Uh, it's IMCA stuff. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, so IMCA went from 64 to 68. Great. This year. So. Okay. And the motor is going to be plenty safe. It's not going to, you know, live a less amount of time because it's 68 and not 64. Yeah, because we've been running 68 on the East Coast for ever since they were invented yeah, yeah. <laughs> or at least at least racing series were invented to go yeah, along with the engine. yeah <laughs> yeah for sure all right next question uh jared's here he says what's the best header slash muffler combo for a 604 street stock that will make the most torque without getting into a 1700 set of stainless steel headers or is the stainless really worth the money in that application rules say must remain dual exhaust mm-hmm um, in that application, I say the $1,700 is worth it. If you're looking like for the best of the best, um, if not, if, I mean, if, if, if you, if your budget doesn't allow for that, which honestly, the stainless is going to last you forever, especially in a street stock type scenario, because you're never going to rip those things off. Um, they're going to be, <laughs> they're well protected basically is what I'm getting at. So it's not like a late model where you might knock one off the car. So, I mean, they'll literally probably outlive the car and the engine and everything else. And you, maybe. Uh, so, <laughs> well, no, no like, you know what I'm saying. In other words, they're going to last forever. They're never going to scale. You're never going to have a problem with them. They're always going to produce the same power out of the box that they did on day one and day, you know, 10 years from now. And your grandchildren will Your grandchildren like, might inherit them. <laughs> so, yeah, as far as an investment goes, that would be a great investment. Um, and then... Uh, Obviously, I'm going to recommend ProFabs, mm -hmm. uh, but uh, the uh, other option other than that, like if, if you're going to go with mild steel, which you're going to end up having to honestly replace every year if you want performance to stay the same, uh, either the BAs or the Schoenfelds. And I don't really have a personal opinion on either one because it's not something I specifically test tested with a 604 in a street stock. And I did talk to BA last week and it, I'm very excited to, to be able to report that they've cut their lead times down to just like two weeks now. Oh, good. They were, they they're were finally caught up. Yeah. yeah. At, at least they're caught up to them to right. a measure anyway, that allows them to be able to turn these around. They, got, they, they really got screwed being in New York by the pandemic thing. They really did. Yeah. And then of course, racing kept going forward. But when, when lockdowns were happening up there, the only person who could be in the was shop Joe. was Joe. Yeah, Joe stuck was, in there building everything. That was it. And then, of course, racing ramped up. And and so they got first part of the year. They Well, even the last part of right. last year, they were getting it um, up to like eight, eight week lead times. Yep. And so I finally kind of just like I cut it off on, on my site. I love those guys. Yeah. I just know my, I was doing a bunch of refunds because customers want them right away. Well, you away just keep and... getting phone calls all day. When, when's my shit going to be done? Yeah, you know, exactly. Kind of exactly. Not so, understanding that, Hey, this is the lead time. <laughs> so. It is what it is. I mean, you, you, you have a lot of factors going on there, oh, but absolutely. it's real. Once you find yourself behind, it is just so hard to catch up. Yep, 100%. And, and I know they've worked really, I'm sure they've worked very, very hard to get there. Probably, seven hour seven days a week you know or mm -hmm. six and a half or something something insane i'm right. guessing so you know big big props to ba and i'll look forward to bringing bringing some more of their oh, products yeah. cool. online again too yeah oh 
I'm liking this next question right here. Mm-hmm. So Ben's here. He says, any 602 winterizing tips? Back off valve springs, fogging the engine. Uh, he's got a seven-month wait until next season. Oh, yeah. I mean, so, yeah, definitely want to fog the engine. Um, I mean, if you're in a climate-controlled building, obviously you're not going to have to worry about draining water and doing all that stuff. But if the building is not climate-controlled, and it sounds like you're probably in a pretty cold area if you've got seven-month wait. Um, obviously drain the water out of the entire system, make sure there's nothing in there. Uh, cause the last thing you want is like a, you know, broke lifter Valley and busted bores because everything froze in there. Um, so yeah, fog the engine. And then, uh, I would certainly back off the valve springs if you're not planning on changing them before you race the first time next year. Are there any other tips on uh, other, other than that? Not really. I mean, most of it's going to be carburetor stuff. I don't know what kind of fuel you run, but I mean, obviously make sure the carburetor is lubricated up. Uh, and it doesn't like, you know, the fuel that you do use doesn't dry out inside and you get like all that scaly shit that you'll find with oxygenated fuels or, you know, like pump gas, even with ethanol content, you'll get that gummy shit in the bowls and everything stops everything up. So I would take it apart, lube everything up and you should be good to go. And do you have a particular kind of, when you say lube it up, you've talked about like, I think anything, anything that's a lubricant and not water-based. So, I mean, WD-40 has actually got water content to it. So I would use, uh, heck, you can use everything from, I think, Marble Mistral to like Bucks Spray Lube at Daytona 1. Mm-hmm. Like anything that's not, doesn't have water content to it. Hell, you can use freaking gun lube if you want. <laughs> I mean, honestly. Just something that's going to stay in there. And now just remember, once you do all this, <laughs> that uh, it's going to be all, everything's going to be all oily when you go to light it off next season. So I wouldn't, put, I wouldn't put a brand new set of spark plugs in it the first time you light it off. <laughs> like a dead Christmas tree. <laughs> um, no, it actually reminds me of a story you're talking about, about uh, draining the water out. And I don't know if Al from Friesen, Al Walters, had told me this uh, a while back, several years ago, we had a really super cold winter. And there were these races that were happening down in Arizona. And so all these guys were coming from Iowa, Nebraska, Wisconsin. They were having to go over like the mountains to Colorado and to get down to Arizona. Well, it was so cold that they just going over those mountain passes, they would get to Arizona and there'd be this pile of water or not a pile, but a puddle of water in their trailers because it had gotten so cold. The, water froze oh, the yeah. box blocks cl- cracked and just released all the water so uh al was from freezing chevrolet and he uh sold lots of engines that year. i would imagine yeah yeah that would be a bad scenario so i mean it's just a good thing to know too in case mm-hmm. anybody is going someplace cold it's just it's something who would have thought of that would you have thought of something like that wouldn't you have your car race ready with water in it well you, you well no you're gonna think yeah well i don't know I mean, yeah. I mean, if you know that it's cold as shit outside and you've got straight water in the engine, then, yeah, I mean, obviously that needs to be addressed. Yeah. Well, it's just a thought. And it apparently happened to several guys, so it's good It's good to know. Well, I mean, you think if it's in the trailer, it's somewhat insulated. But if inside the trailer is below 32 degrees, no, it's not. <laughs> so. Yeah. I mean, I think it's like a false safe safety it is. thing. You know, like, oh, gosh, hey, I've got a, you know, hey, I can't got see you, so trailer. you can't see yeah, me exactly. kind of thing. <laughs> All right. Here's another question. Uh, Bubba mm-hmm. Doug is here. He says, Steve, how much does your 604 carburetors cost for E85? Mm-hmm. And do you have one ready to ship or do you need me to ship mine to you to build? All right. So the brand new ones are $1,600. Um, depending on what you already own, uh, 
that can vary in price, like to, to go through or convert or whatever you got going on there. Uh, I would recommend giving me a shout tomorrow and I'll let you talk to my brother, Mike, who actually does all of our E85 carburetors and he can tell you exactly where he's at. Um, I don't know that he's got any, honestly, we can't keep them on the shelf and we're ordering like basically 20 center sections at a time and everything else. And they're, they're getting sold pretty rapidly. Uh, because that's pretty much what everybody's going to is that E85. So it's a pretty popular item. And I just flashed up Steve's phone number, which is for Hendron Racing Engines. It's in for anybody who's listening, it's 828 mm-hmm. And I'm 99% of the time the jackass that answers the phone. So just say yeah. so talk talk to us on here and I'll hook you right up with my brother there. Yeah, and just don't share the phone number with your friends who um, are selling car warranties or business loans or Google business listings <laughs> or politicians. I don't want any politicians to call me either. Oh yeah. Good call. Good call on that. All right. And Oh, and Bubba says he says, I own a Gary Williams E85 right now and I'll mm. call you tomorrow. Yeah. So, no worries. So, yeah. Give me a shout. I'll let you talk to my brother. Cool. Cool. Well, my uh, big announcement, it's not really a big announcement. I mean, I think we've been talking about it on the show, but of course the, Big event in that I'm working on is the Cars Racing Show, January 6th and 7th in Hickory, North Carolina. But uh, what I wanted to say on this show is I would love for you guys to share that information with your friends. I've got a post out right now. We've got a call out for more exhibitors. So if you know of a racing company that would be a good addition to the show, you know, it's just hard to... It's, it's hard to like just call all the racing companies. I don't know everybody. And even the people I do know, it can be tough, you know, oh, so if we can just kind of spread the wings on that and get a, you know, more people uh, just kind of spreading the word, mm-hmm. then, you know, my phone rings and we'll, we'll fill up the show. I mean, we're doing good. Don't yeah. get me wrong. Oh, yeah, I mean, we've sure. got a good looking show. A lot of folks coming back. We know it's going to be really good. Uh, but uh, what I, well, and the other thing too, is I just don't want to miss those those uh manufacturers who are coming out with a new product that may have just gotten started right this is the perfect show for that like someone like hubco mm-hmm. you know here he was and but he knew about it from dave hammond oh, yeah. and came down and he invents all these cool innovative tools yep um we had steering buddy there last year oh yeah absolutely the, and and it was that was their very first trade show that they'd ever done for, for steering buddy. So, you know, we'd love to have your input and, and let us know too. I mean, who would you like to see us? Who would you like to see at the racing trade show? Uh, we are basically a circle track show more than anything else. A lot of dirt, but we'd like to do a little more asphalt. And, and it's in Hickory, North Carolina. Yep, Hickory, so North Carolina. You know, not like you're in like downtown someplace where you might get shot. So it's oh, no. all super safe. No, it's, it's safe <laughs> and, and it's super good to attend. And it's a buy show. Yes. Yes, as in you can buy things at the show. I don't know if everybody would know what you meant by that. Oh, well, I mean, <laughs> PRI, PRI, technically you're not allowed to buy anything or you'll get kicked out if you're a vendor. Yeah. But uh, no, this is an actual buy show. So a lot of the people, not everybody, but a lot of the people that show up there have got, uh, oh, we got a little kitty up. It must be your hippie's buddy. friend, yes, yes. So, you know, there's, there's plenty of uh, cool shit to buy. Yeah, I, I basically. At show prices normally. Yeah, I basically set up a pop-up shop there. Yep. Is what I do. It's not a swap meet. It's just no. literally it's a buy show. So that means you can buy brand new shit at a discounted price. 
Well, I can get demonstrations and talk directly to manufacturers. And plus, we'll be organizing more Correct. seminars. In fact, one thing that's really cool is Jonathan Masters from Race Know How mm-hmm. is has a paid seminar he's doing on Friday and another one on Saturday mm-hmm. that you can sign up for. And it's I think it's a couple hours long. And yep. that's a really that'll yeah. be really cool. Uh, what a great, you know, I always love to collaborate with other with other people oh, absolutely. and really work together on stuff. So yep. it's really cool to bring those brands together. Yeah, for sure. Okay. Uh, let's see. I've got some question, another question here in my rambling, but yeah, help us get some more exhibitors here. Uh, Alan's here. He says, hi, Hey, from upstate New York, Steve, I want to set the end play on my crate HEI distributor shaft. What end play setting would you recommend? I have done as much as 10 thousands. Um, I'd probably go a little bit more than that, honestly. Um, probably like closer to 20 because I have seen distributors with less than that, like actually lock up and like on our dyno. Um, I mean, not lock up, but, um, and it was like MSD stuff that did it. Um, so yeah, I'd probably like go closer to 20, 25, honestly. Cause I mean, you gotta, you gotta consider that, uh, aluminum expands twice the rate of steel. So because of that, um, it's going to expand quite a bit and at heat, at temperature. So you got the potential just to like lock up that whole gear against bottom nut distributor. So yeah, I'd probably go like 20, 25. My opinion, but other people, other people might say different. I have no idea, but that's my opinion. That's a question we've never gotten here before. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I'd rather be, too much and not enough. I'll put it that way. Good. All right. Next question is from Jared. He says, while we're on a roll, what about carb spacer? I was always under the impression that bigger is better on carb spacers, but I've heard people saying being up against some big open motors with a 604 that the shorter usually equals more torque. And I feel like anywhere I can get more torque is critical. So if the case in the case, it's true, is there too short of a spacer? Uh, yeah, I think anything under five eights, uh, I'm not a fan of, mm-hmm. um, I think the five eight spacer is like about the perfect size, uh, height wise. Um, what we've been playing a lot with is diameter of the holes. So in other words, as we're getting down like our billets intersection stuff, a lot of what we're using right now is 600 Venturi size. And so we've been actually shrinking the, uh, size of the, uh, holes in the four hole spacer down to like you know, really small and we just keep, keep seeing more and more torque. Um, so I would, uh, and actually I'll tell you a little trick. If you got it, if you got a 600, believe it or not, <laughs> freaking hamburgers makes a 600. Uh, I can't remember the partner off the top of my head. Hamburgers makes a one inch, a one inch plate, uh, with, that we have yet to cut down, but hamburgers makes a one inch plate that, uh, actually produces quite a bit of torque and it's like cheap. It's like 120 bucks and it comes with carburetor studs. So, you know, that's some knowledge that would have been very helpful. That would be very helpful for me to know. Well, I mean, there's that just saying it's just stuff me and my brother have been messing around with and on my kid's car. I mean, just like, especially like his 525 and stuff. Cause we're like all the way down at a 600 on his 525 with that kind of spacer and stuff. And 
yeah, I mean, just it's pretty amazing what some of this shit's been doing. It's always something. Well, I mean, I mean, you back in the day, it was like bigger's better. You know, so like, hey, everybody's running seven fifties, and everybody's now now everybody's running seven hundreds, and that's six fifties, and then it's or then it's six eighties, then it's six fifties, and hell, we're down to like six hundred Venturi size right now on most of the stuff that we're doing because what we found not only like with five twenty fives, but six hundred two, six hundred fours, torque is what you want. Um, the top end power numbers, honestly, to me, don't mean a thing anymore. You know, back in the day, we were chasing horsepower. Now we're chasing torque. Right. Because you had to change your parameters because you came from built engines and it was always all about more horsepower out horsepower. Well, I mean, I mean, the number one, the number one question that everybody asks is always how much horsepower can you, how much horsepower can I get here? How much horsepower can can I get there on no matter what the application? And it's like, it's hard to convince people that honestly, I mean, you're going to create X amount of horsepower on a 604, but I'd rather have, you know, I'd rather have 40 more foot pounds of torque. You know, I'd rather be at like 430, 440 on torque on a, on a 604 and have 400 horsepower than I would have 440 horsepower and 400 foot pounds. So. Okay. And same with the 525. By the way. And Alan says, wish you could bring your show to Syracuse, New York. You guys have an awesome show. <laughs> yeah, you guys there. do actually. You got a pretty yeah. good show. Yeah. I think that used to be the parts peddler show. I believe so. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, I have heard so many awesome things about the Syracuse show. That is such a huge deal. I wish I could have the crowds that Syracuse has, but we're working on it. You know, I mean, I think, I don't know how long that show has been going on, but I kind of have a feeling they've got about a 10 or 20 year year head start on us. Mm -hmm. So, you know, going into year three of the reboot. Of the reboot of this. Yeah. Yeah. Because the first time's, we're back in, I think, 2011, 2012, and 2013 mm-hmm. were the first three. And now we're, yeah, t- took that hiatus. Never thought I would do a trade show again ever in my life. Until who had the idea? Well, you mentioned it. Well, you weren't the only one. Actually, Wes from uh, Superior Bearing oh, yes, right. was the first one. And I mentioned to you, and you're like, yeah, you should do a show again. Really? Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I was I'm, thinking I'm pretty sure in my I, lifetime it'd be too soon. I'm pretty sure I was saying, we're locked down. You should do a show. <laughs> yeah, you did. You absolutely did. All right, there yes. you go. Yes. <laughs> yes. Thank you. You're my hero. All right, Matt's here. He says, uh, Kate, I want to say thank you very much. I got my shirt and hat in the mail. So he's the winner of our giveaway for August. Oh, nice. And uh, Tori's been keeping in touch with my order. So your giveaway is awesome, and I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for being here. Absolutely. And congratulations. So big congratulations yeah, to, to Matt Jones. And he found something he wanted on the store. And so, Great. We're, yeah, we just have it was to. It was like $400 worth of stuff. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. So we're getting something from uh, Randy LaJoy. That's okay. something I keep on my shelf. So they're building it this hey, that, week. And that works. We'll get that out the door for him. So awesome. I'm really excited. All right. Ethan has a really long question here. Okay. So uh, thank you for taking the time to type this in, Ethan says, um, an MSD ignition stops firing at the rev limiter chip that is in it with a 7,000 chip. You break a driveline component or whatever running wide open. The tax says 7,200. Knowing it could free rev over what the tax says. What needs to be checked in that situation besides valve springs, compression, and leak down? What would you do in that situation knowing an engine has been over rev? If it's a flash situation like that, I wouldn't be that concerned. 
Um, what actually hurts these engines is when it's under load and you're turning that RPM. Um, in other words, like if you're turning 72 or consistently, you're going to be running some shit over before long, uh, engine wise. Um, I never recommend a 7,000 chip. Um, unless, I mean, you can get away with it qualifying stuff like that. I still wouldn't try to turn one on the chip at 7,000 all day long, even though, you know, general motors is pretty much corrected most of the valve train failure issues with the, with the beehive spring. But, uh, can you put the question back on there? Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, if it flashes that high, that's not scary to me. Um, I mean, if 72 is going to be the max, I mean, if it goes like 85 or something, then, which I don't even think the engine can do, but if it did, then I'd be pretty concerned, but, um, no, I mean, at 72, then I wouldn't be concerned about it at all. If it flashes, you know, I mean, you break a drive shaft, you break an axle, you something like that. I've, I've personally had engines where I've broken axles and they've gone like 72, 73 and nothing's hurt. Good to know. And, and then with the leak down, you should be doing that in a pretty periodic basis. Yeah, I mean, I mean, leak down testing, yeah, you, you want to do that every about every 10 races anyway. So, I mean, they got so much valve to piston clearance, unless you're in just absolute valve float, um, it's not going to be an issue. Great. Jeremy's got a question. He says, have you ever tried to set up a cold air intake deal with the hood closed for aero, like tubes picking up air from next to the radiator or something? Mm -mm, I haven't. No. I mean, um, let's see. Cold air intake. Kind of reminds me of the asphalt setup. I, I mean, are you talking like drawing from the backside of the, uh, of the air, of the air box? Um, it sounds like, yeah, like asphalt stuff usually does that, like draws from the back, um, just in front of the, uh, windshield actually. Um, <clears throat> no, he says like tubes picking up air from next to the radiator. So that'd be the, no, oh, I see what you're saying. Like, like pressure is pressurizing a box maybe or something like that. Or um, just running tubes so that you can push air through that. Push air through. No, it's nothing that we've really tried. Um. Because anything that's going by that radiator is going to be hotter than what you're drawing from the outside atmosphere. So we always recommend sealing the air cleaner off completely from anything it can breathe under the hood. So I'd be more inclined to do that than I would be to run anything from, you know, the right front corner of the car and the left front corner of the car as a tube back in and having the air cleaner, you know, in a weird place. Mm-hmm. No, I mean, I can see the logic, though. No, no, no. I get, I mean, I mean, yeah. You get like a hole in your nose and it's it's got right. these tubes that right. are coming back and it's blowing air straight no, up onto no. the I'd, I'd rather have the, I'd rather have the air cleaner sealed off to the hood and the nose sealed off the ground. Okay. Good thought, though. No, I mean, I think it's cool what they do in asphalt where they've got that whole contraption inside the nose that's, that's taking the air and pushing it right into the mm -hmm. radiator. Is I forget what they call that, like a cowl or something, but it's pretty cool. All right, next question from Colton. <laughs> what is the recommendation on fuel pressure on my 604 with a stealth car? Uh, what kind of fuel? I think he asked me this question the other day, so let me see if, I, if I've got that. Actually, and I think it's E85. If it's E85, uh, generally our stuff runs eight to nine pounds. 
Uh, I'm pretty sure Tony's stuff runs about the same. Mm-hmm. Oh, it is E85. Okay, confirmed, yeah. yes. E85. Yeah, eight to nine pounds. Uh, generally, our stuff runs about nine pounds. So, you know, I mean, between us and what Tony does and and uh, and uh, David Smith and stuff like that, we're all pretty close on fuel pressure. So I'd say, yeah, nine pounds. Good to know. I mean, that's a great just quick tip. Now, how would you, uh, if it was different kinds of fuel, what would you do for the fuel pump pressure? Oh, gas, ga- gasoline really likes anything over like seven, seven pounds. So, because you know, you're not having to flow the amount of fuel. I mean, you're moving 33% more fuel through E85 or with E85 than what you are with gas. Okay. Even oxygenated gas. So, great. Yeah. You do so- need that extra pressure. Excellent. All right. Joe says, hi, I've heard the newer 602s have valve springs that no longer have a damper. If this is true, are the spring retainers the same on the newer engine? Uh, 602s have never had a, damp- had a damper. So um, is what's the same? Um, if this is true, are the spring retainers the same on the newer engine? Yes. Yeah, they're identical because they've never had a damper. Um, if you've had one that had a damper, somebody changed the springs to something that's not quite legal. <laughs> Not quite. Mm-hmm. Not quite. Uh, and they would have had to cut down the guide boss in order to do it. So, which is also not legal. <laughs> and Alan says that you would be a great addition to the Syracuse show. Mm-hmm. So, thank you. Thank you so much. And Jeremy says that's what drove the question. I need to seal it off. And mm-hmm. I was like, what if we pulled air from under the hose, uh, under the nose, and sealed off the hood? No, I would not do that. No, I would, I would seal off the air cleaner from any underhood temperature and seal off the nose. I mean, so long as you're not running hot, I'd have the nose sealed off because, you know, arrow. Yeah. And here we go. So Jared's like, would you be content buying an ultra XP new from Holly or is there more to be gained getting one from an actual carb guy? You know who I would talk to on that? Honestly, is David Smith. Um, So I would give him a shout. Uh, but I think he's using billet center sections too. He is, but he does a lot of that, that stock Holly carburetor stuff. Oh, he does okay. a ton of it. Because okay. uh, I'm honestly not a carb guy, um, but I can tell you that David Smith's a total badass when it comes to stuff like that. My brother's a carb guy, but we literally don't do any, excuse me, any Holly center section stuff anymore. Mm-hmm. And I know David does. He does stuff for a lot of different series. So I would, I would call David and uh, see what his recommendation is. And I think Kate's going to put his number up here on the screen for you. That is exactly what I'm going to do because David does not have a website. Yes. And so if you type in David Smith cars, it goes to Crane Insider. <laughs> then my phone rings. So because I am a dealer for David. So here we go. I am going to add that and uh, we're going to show. Yep. There we go. So yep. David Smith carves. Yep. Right call, call, call David. Say we told told you to call. And uh, he's a really <laughs> nice dude. Super helpful. Oh, my gosh. And, Such uh, a nice guy. I think he can definitely hook you up in that uh, uh, scenario that you got going on there. Yeah. And I'm going to edit that one and not scroll it. So sorry about that. There we go. But we were going to put it up. It. There, there we go. go. David Smith carves. Um, 706-265-5708 for anybody who is just is here listening and can't see the screen. So, uh, but yeah, we love working with David. Great. great Absolutely. Cool. And 
Uh, here we go. So Jared asks, and your thoughts on removing the power valve, or is that not beneficial at all? No, not at all. No, <laughs> no, do not use it. No, no, that's again back to 1960s technology on on that deal. So no, you need power valve. I don't know anything about carburetors. I just know yep. carburetor people. Yeah. <laughs> <That's> my job. <laughs> it was, oh, I didn't even ask. What are you drinking tonight, Steve? Well, I'm about out of my draft ultra. Draft <laughs> ultra in the kegerator. Well, we're about wrapping up here anyway. So. Right. So yeah, I guess we can kind of wrap things up. On uh, I think we got through all of our questions. Gosh, I want to thank you guys all for being here to recap our announcements. Uh, you're going to have, uh, well, Rush Racing Series tomorrow. We'll Rush have Racing to Series will have an announcement, but in advance of that, I want to really thank uh, FK Rodins, uh, Pro Fabrication Headers, and uh, Rick Hendricks, City Chevrolet, because uh, it'll be a cool announcement. Excellent, and I'm excited for you uh, with all of that. And, of course, Crate Insider, because you chipped in, too. Yeah. 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 And there'll be a few more. So. Great. Um, and, and I'm excited about the Cars Racing Show happening January 6th and 7th. Again, feel, please share that. Uh, go on over to the Facebook page and give it a like. Uh, that, that would That's definitely appreciated. And share any of our posts. That helps us get the word out. We really want to, uh, even if you don't live in the Southeast, I mean, heck, just share it out there. Because in the racing world, we're all just so connected. Uh, but it's easy to miss when you've got like a smaller page like this. It only has like 3,000 likes or something. So let's get the word out. I mean, I would definitely appreciate that if you could share that quite a bit. So Cars Racing Show is the is the Facebook page. Share it. And, you know, and also just drop in comments on I've got a post out right now, the call to exhibitors. Drop in some comments on who you'd like to see to the, come to the show. I mean, I have no problem picking up a phone and calling somebody cold. I really mm -hmm. don't. Happy to happy to do that. Just kind of wanted some target ideas on who who would you like us to call. Oh, yeah. We'll totally do that. And of course, join our email list at Crate Insider and uh, you know all all the things like and, share. And also, in addition to those three, I also or four, I also want to say uh, Pittsburgh's Pittsburgh's Pennsylvania Motor Speedway, Matt Miley, mm -hmm. and the Rush Racing Series, best people on earth to deal with. Yeah, and. If you ever get a chance to go see a rush race, participate in a rush race, uh, I would certainly do it. They've got modifieds. They've got late models. They've got uh, the big block modifieds with 602s in them. They've got asphalt stuff. Awesome series. Uh, Pittsburgh is a racetrack. Probably one of the most awesome places you'll ever go. It's a half-mile track, big-ass half-mile track that races like a quarter-mile track, and that's hard to do nowadays. It is freaking amazing. Yeah, you can probably check out some videos over on Flow Racing. Absolutely. Yeah, it's pretty cool. All right. Well, I, I think we'll sign out now. Thank you guys for being here, and look forward to seeing you next week. Yep.